open it to Psalm 16. I want you to always bear in mind that it's the nature of a fire to go out. You must keep it stirred, fed, and the ashes removed. Do you remember those words? I quoted them last Sunday. They were originally spoken by the founder of the Salvation Army to a group of new officers. He told them, I want you men to always bear in mind that it's the nature of a fire to go out. You must keep it stirred, fed, and the ashes removed. How are we going to keep the fire in this church burning? How are we going to finish well? How are you going to keep the fire that's within you burning? How are we going to finish what we started? The answer to this question leads us to one question that is, why does a village church exist? The answer to that question is what keeps the fire burning. Do you remember the answer to that question? Of why the village church exists? Why do Christians exist? To know him, to enjoy him, to glorify him. There's nothing unique about those words. That's just not unique to us. Every believer on the face of this earth, every church, and every denomination exists for this purpose, to know him, to enjoy him, to glorify him. That is our created purpose. There is no other purpose. And last week we talked about the first aspect of this purpose, and that is to know him. That is to know him in saving faith through Jesus Christ, which means we receive and depend upon Christ alone for salvation. And this morning we're going to talk about the second aspect of our created purpose, and that is to enjoy him, to enjoy Jesus. Now, a majority of you will say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. But how many of you enjoy him today? Do you enjoy him? Well, what do you mean by that, Alex? Be patient. I'm going to tell you. Open your Bible to Psalm 116. We're going to look at the first four verses today. I had to shorten the sermon because it turned to be a long sermon. So, so I'm breaking it up for your own sake. Here is God's word to his people. Preserve me, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who run after another God shall multiply. They drink offerings of blood I shall not pour out or take their names on my lips. This is God's word. Please play with me. Father God, as we come to your truth, we need your spirit to move. We need him, Lord, to come and to apply the truth to our hearts, to the places where we truly live. It's easy to come in here and, and fake it. It's easy to come in here and look good and pretend like everything is fine. Everything in my life is going well. I have it all together. But that's just fake. That's not real. That's keeping up appearances. The gospel calls us not to keep up appearances. It calls us to admit what we truly are. We're broken. We have issues. And we need a Savior. And that's everybody. 
including me. And so I need this. My soul needs this. My family needs this. So spirit, do in us what we cannot do in ourselves. And that's apply the truth to our life. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Psalm, one, Psalm 16 was written by David, as a lot of psalms were. And this particular psalm is, is a psalm of confidence. It's one of contentment. It's a psalm of enjoyment in the Lord's care and in his provisions. You see, if you are enjoying the Lord, then there's going to be something happening in your life. First thing is that you're going to be growing and depending on him, depending on his lordship. This is what we see in the in first two verses here. Preserve me, O Lord, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. David it showed dependency on the Lord here, his lordship in his life. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. In the Hebrew, it says, preserve me, O El. Preserve me, O El. El is one of the many names of God used by the Israelites. They have many names for him. And most commentators think El means strong one. Others think it means the ever-present one. So David, David is saying, oh, strong and ever-present one, preserve me, for I take refuge in you. To preserve means to guard, to keep, to watch, like a shepherd who watches over his sheep. Or like the secret service who watches out for the president. This is what David wants the Lord to do, to protect me, to guard me, preserve me. Oh, strong one, ever-present one. He was placing his hope and trust in God. For in you I take refuge. What is the world is refuge? It's a place of hope. It's where you go for safety. It's where you go for security. Oh, El, I place my hope in you. My place of safety. David goes on and says, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. What name of the Lord does he use here? Yahweh. Jehovah. What's unique about that name? Jehovah is the most sacred name. Holy name of God for the Jews. So much so, they would not even pronounce it. They wouldn't even put it on their lips. They all they would substitute it with Adonai. That's how much reverence they had for that name. Yahweh. Yahweh. One Christian says, all the names of God which occur in Scripture are derived from his, his, his works except one. And that is Jehovah. It is called the plain name. Because it teaches plainly of the substance of God. And the name Jehovah, the personality of the supreme, is distinctly in, in expressed. It's his plain name. It's his proper name. Jehovah, Yahweh. Isaiah 42, 8, the Lord says, I am Jehovah. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. The name points us to God as the self-existent one, the transcendent one, the holy one, the righteous one, the unchangeable one. His name is Yahweh. And David prayed, Yahweh, you are my Lord. 
I have no good apart from you. He sweetly embraced Yahweh as his Savior. And once again, it shows dependency on him. No good apart from him. His will, his well-being, his happiness in life came from the life source. And that's Yahweh. Do you say to Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Do you say to El, preserve me, for in you I take refuge. If you are enjoying the Lord, then yes, those words would be your prayer. And a growing reality in your life. You will be growing in dependency on his lordship. For those of us who have saving faith in Jesus, who know him, there should also be a newfound joy of the father that was not there before. You will sweetly embrace him, as one Christian said. This embracing of him is not just a savior, but also as lord of the life you now live. You sweetly embrace him as El, the strong and ever-present one, the one who preserves you and, and guards you and watches over you, who has your back, your shepherd, not just at the moment of salvation, but for the rest of your life. The strong and ever-present one, your refuge, your place of hope. Sweetly embrace him as Yahweh, the self-existent one, the transcendent one, the righteous one. The one that you have no good apart. Do you believe that? That you really have no good apart from God? Now, it's, we can say that this morning. I'm talking about in the places where you live. And you know what I mean by that. The hustle and bustle of life. Do you believe that? Not all the time. Let's just keep it real. The Lord is dependable. Always trustworthy. What does dependency on his lordship mean? It means many things. It means every day you die to self. It means every day you die a little more to self. You surrender to him everything. Your livelihood, your security, your affections, your well-being, your future. Your fears, your struggles, your successes, your dreams, your health, your life. You bring to him your burdens and cast them upon him. Because why? He cares for you. As a friend told me, you pray to Jesus, not at Jesus. Depending on growing and depending on his lordship is you praying what Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. Not my will be done, but your will be done in my life. Not my will be done, but your will be done in my life. Now, I'm not naive, and neither is Jesus. He knows that's going to be a struggle. So don't leave here today saying, well, today I'm going to get it right. Perfectly, it's going to be a struggle. There are no quick fixes. There ain't no magical sermon that's going to, I'm going to preach, it's going to make your whole life better. So if you're here for that, you're in the wrong place. It's going to be a struggle. And sometimes you ain't going to want to pray that prayer. It takes the Spirit of God to move in you to say that. There are 
I'm pretty sure you've seen car tags and bumper stickers, cups and T-shirts with this, this phrase on there, Jesus is my co-pilot or Jesus is my pilot. Is that what it means to depend on his worship? Is he your co-pilot, your pilot? No, he's the airplane that carries you. That's who he is. He's the airplane that's going to carry you through all life's destinations until you reach your final destination, and that's glory. He is no co-pilot. He's the plane. Your plane. And if you are enjoying him, then you will sweetly embrace him as that. The one who carries you through this life, no matter how tough life gets. So we depend on his lordship. Next, we grow in fellowship with his people. David says in verse four, verse 3, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Right now, you may be asking yourself, what in the world does fellowship with God's people have to do with me enjoying him? I mean, is that really necessary? Can it just be me and Jesus? I mean, I really don't like organized church and religion. It's messy. It's drama-filled. People got issues. They're judgmental and so on and so on and so on. Does Jesus really care whether or not I go to church? What's the big deal? The big deal is if you love him, you will love his people. I don't see a distinction between the two. If you love him, you will love the people whom he died for. That I see a connection. Which means being in fellowship with them. Being connected to a local body of Christ. David says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Who are these saints in the land? Your fellow believers from every tribe, every nation, every denomination, every culture, every race, every social status, and every political viewpoint. Those are your fellow saints. Those, are those individuals who have saving faith in Jesus are the excellent ones in whom we should delight. Do you fellowship with other believers from different, who are different than you? We fellowship with those who are like us, but those that are different than you. Are you connected to a, a local church? Or do you just bounce around? You see, it's never just you and Jesus on a secluded island. It's you and Jesus in community with his people, connected with his people. Do you realize that two believers, one Democrat, one Republican, should be connected to each other more than they are with their political party friends who don't know Jesus? But watch what happens in November. That would not be true. That would not be true. Because if Jesus is what, you, what binds us together, then nothing else should ever separate us. If Jesus is really the glue that holds us together. But I'll tell you in November, that will not be true, even in the church. It won't be. He told his disciples what? By your love for one another, the world will know what? You are my disciples. By your love for one another, the world will know that you are my disciples. That sounds so great, but it's so hard. So hard. Why is it hard? Because saints still struggle with sin. <laughs> That's why it's hard. 
You see, the words that David prays in, in verse 4 here, the sorrow of those who run after other gods will multiply. They drink offering the blood I will not pour out, nor take the names on my lips. We know pagans do that, but we do it too. We do that too. We run after other gods. And what does it mean? What, is it, what these words mean? It means if, if you, the things that you treat like a god, will never, 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 never live up to the expectations you set for them. Your sorrows is going to continue to multiply. David says he will not make sacrifices to these false gods. He won't even mention their names on his lips. This could be gods of other religions, or it could be other things that people treat as gods. Christians, you know, we don't, we don't, we, we don't worship God, the, the Buddhist God, and things like that, but we have other things that we treat as gods. Our money, sex, drugs, success, education, status, recognition, reputation. Now we have our own. And we get mad when people start messing with them. You want to know if you got an idol? What would happen to you if I took it from your life? You would get mad with me. You say, well, Pastor, I'm going to find another church. We get mad, and that's what I get mad too. So I'm there with you. Like Israel, we too struggle with unfaithfulness and running after other gods. And in in the words of one of my favorite hymns, prone to wonder, prone to wonder, the God I love. That's true of us all. I love that. Prone to wonder, prone to wonder from the God I love. We wander from these things. But here's what we need to understand about our idol gods. Every time we run after them, we are doing what Proverbs 26, 11 says, like a dog returns to his vomit, so is a fool who returns to his folly. That's what we do. How does that vomit taste? How does it taste? And when you're in fellowship with other believers, you should welcome other believers to call you out on your vomit eating. And here's the thing. I don't care if you're eating vomit off a 99-cent paper plate or a 200-piece to China. Vomit is still vomit. I don't care on what, how you serve it. It's still vomit. Still. And if I'm in fellowship with you and you love me, when you see me eating vomit, you should come over and say, Pastor, that's vomit. And if I love you, and I need that, I would say, brother, you're right. <laughs> Thank you for calling me out. Do it in love. Do it in gentleness. Do it in knowing that you just got to finish eating vomit too. Okay? So being in fellowship with one another, there is accountability that comes with that. Because we love one another. We care for one another. That's what it means to love the saints. We do it with our gentleness. We do it with awareness of our own brokenness. There's a sharing of one another's burdens in fellowship. There's keeping short accounts in fellowship. Because realize, we're in honeymoon phase here. I'm telling you, one day, there's going to be things that come up. You ain't always going to like your elders. And we ain't always going to say things that you agree with. And things, if, things, if we do, guess what? Come talk to us. Keep short accounts. The word says, fight for the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. 
will we do that? If you enjoy the Lord, then you're going to enjoy being in fellowship with his people this way. Is it going to be easy? Oh, it's not going to be easy. But we need it. We need it. Listen, we all here are strugglers. We all here have issues, drama, we're messy. So who has issues? And when you forget that, that's an issue. That's an issue. Remember those things. Remember that. That'll get us through a lot of conflicts that's going to come. There are no perfect churches. There are no churches who have it all together. But what we do have is a Lord who does. And that's who is on the throne here at the village church. Jesus and him alone. Last Sunday, I read a quote from John Piper. It says, we never, never, never outgrow our need for the gospel. And that's true. But you know what also is true? The gospel never, never leaves us where it found us either. We never, never outgrow our need of the gospel. But the gospel never, never leaves us where it found us either. Through the spirit, it changes us. Once blind, but now we see. Once lost, but now we're found. Once dead in my sin, but now alive to God in Christ. Once separated from him, now reconciled to him. Once at war against him, now at peace with him. Once his enemy, now his child. Once a hater of God, but now I enjoy God. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you that we never outgrow our need of you. And I also thank you that you never leave us where you found us. You are at work in us. We might not be where we want to be, but we're not where we used to be either. One thing we can hold on firm to is that the God, God will never, ever abandon us. He who completed, he has started working us, would carry that on to completion to the day of Christ. That's a promise. Some of us need to hold on to that promise. Because life is hard. Church life is messy. I mean, I mean, it, it, this is reality. But our God is not. You are mindful that your people are nothing but death. You are mindful that we have issues. You are mindful that we don't always do the right things. You know this. You're not ever caught off guard. Sometimes we think we're surprising you when we struggle. It's never a surprise. You knew what you were getting into when you died on the cross. That's why you died. Because we're messed up. Because we struggle with sin. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for that mercy. Thank you, Lord, for that. And I pray, Lord, as we go out and, and for the rest of our weeks, Lord, draw us closer to you. Give us assurance that, that you are never going to abandon us that you will come. Draw our hearts, spirit, closer to him, that we will enjoy him in relationship, that we have a relationship with him, and we can enjoy him. Help us to do that this week. I pray for all this in Christ's name. You can stand to your feet as we sing.